Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Uh, senior pastor's out of town for a few days with his children during spring break. And uh, so you have to put up with me tonight. Praise God. And uh, I'm happy to be here, even though I'm just passing through. Praise God. My wife and I are on our way to Spain Saturday. And uh, we're going to be with Brother Nathan Herod, the missionary that was here uh, back, uh, I think it was the late fall of 2013, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so we covet your prayers. We'd appreciate that. In Jesus' name. Um, I, I, this I'm, this isn't a lesson, this isn't a message, sermon. Um, I don't even like the word. The only good sermon I know pastors in uh, Billings, Montana. That's the pastor's name, Brother Sermon. That's the truth. It's the only good sermon I know. Uh, everything else... You know, I can't call a word from God a sermon. But anyway, it's just one of my little pet peeves. Um, but I, I just want to talk to you for a couple of minutes. And this is the first time I've had a chance to do this, the first session, um, on Thursday night. And uh, I usually try to be as clear or some would consider plain and others call it direct, um, whatever you want to call it, as possible because I, as I've said many times, the last thing in the world I want anybody doing is walking out wondering what I was trying to say. What was he really saying? I, I believe in trying to say what you mean and mean what you say, but I... I I'm going to be a little more cryptic tonight, which means you will after either have to use your spiritual discernment or your gift of suspicion. And some of us don't know the difference. Uh, but. I was um, in a situation the other day, and I was talking to an individual, and I, I made the statement to them that these last couple of years has been the most ferocious time of spiritual attack this church has ever endured. I, I remember... 78 and especially 79, whoo, my Lord. I, it, it was, <laughs> it was brutal. Uh, but all of that was part of the labor pains for the birthing, the revival of 80 and 81. Uh, but I, I'm going to say to you, these last 
two, three years especially has been just absolutely, it's been brutal. And some of you precious people sensing whatever and not being able to fully have a clear understanding of it in your mind if you've gone looking to see who's at fault. You know, is this person at fault? Is this the will of God? Is that the will of God? Is this is the way we're supposed to be doing that? Is this the way, you know, whatever. So we we have... Uh, We've had a lot of that gift of suspicion working. Uh, it's a dangerous thing when you're either spiritual or claim to be spiritual and you can't discern the difference between your gift of discernment and, or the spirit of discernment and your gift of suspicion. Praise God. I'm not being critical. I'm just making an observation. So the point I, I, I'd like to make to you tonight is this. I know the pastor has had some efforts at spiritual warfare, which quite frankly, what I felt in my spirit, even though I really haven't said this to anybody, I, f I felt we kind of... Uh, Short-armed it. That's a basketball term. Uh, I didn't play much, but my boys did, and I really enjoyed being around the game with them. And uh, short-arming it is when you you have a really nice natural stroke with your shot. And when you just shoot that with full confidence... Well, you're going to hit a lot of those. But when you get under pressure or you're not really con committed to the shot, that's usually the case. You're not really, you kind of short arm it. You don't, you don't give it the full stroke. And so that's where air balls come from. You just, you shot, you had the ball, you had an open shot, you shot, but you didn't shoot it with full conviction. You didn't. You short-armed short it. And this is, this is an observation. This isn't a criticism. Okay. But in my personal feelings in here, in the warfare that took place here over the last few months, we, uh, we short-armed it. And it's really easy to point fingers at others, but the only one res you're responsible for, whether or not you short-armed it, is you. I, I will say this to you. God, in his mercy, allows the struggles in our life. To get our attention. Uh, more than one. Many more than one. Senior leadership person. Has asked themselves. Over the last. 
couple of years, is this really where I'm supposed to be? I wonder where that's coming from. Probably one of the greatest revelations God has ever given me in my life, and we're in the beginning of the communicating of it, and it, it's, it's not yet mature enough in its communication for us to see really how much of a impact it's going to have. But it was the last lesson I did here. Um, the night it's the day it snowed and we had church anyway, and the pastor decided, you know, more than likely a lot of people weren't coming. And so we just had full church, and rather than me doing second session, he just had some songs let me teach, and I taught on. The mind is the battleground of the soul. I have taught that since in um, Fort Worth, two days at the men's conference in Salisbury, in Zanesville, Ohio, and in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I'm still just really getting my mind and spirit wrapped around that. But the key point of that, if you haven't heard it, bothered to listen to it yet, if you weren't here, uh, it is online. The key point of all of that is the fruit of your thoughts reveals the source of them. God's thoughts never encourage you to be discouraged, to be depressed, to give up, to feel like giving up, to feel like quitting, to feel uh, frustration, irritation. The Lord's thoughts always produce peace, encouragement, desire to get closer to Jesus, the desire to pray more. Always. 110% of the time. The fruit of your thoughts reveals the source of them. And I'm not going to reteach the lesson here tonight, even though that would be really enjoyable to do uh, from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is I look back over these last couple of years and see the number of people who have had major battles spiritually in their minds. Major battles. Questioning everything. Questioning themselves, questioning the promises of God, questioning your place in the body, Questioning whether you're supposed to be here or not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just questioning everything. And uh, unfortunately, but it's always the case, that one of the reasons the Lord allows the adversary to battle us is to sift out those 
who are not prepared to pay the price to participate in what God is going to be doing. That's easy to stand here and spout that principle. It's easy to stand here and make that declaration until you, of course, put names and faces on that and see those that you love very much some walk away peacefully some walk away devastating themselves and other people's lives uh, <sighs> it's a painful thing when you've loved some people a long long time and they just chuck it all. When you put a face on it, when you put history with that person in the equation, it's a painful thing. But when you take the face off of it, you take the personal history out of it, you realize that everybody, every body not everybody, but every, two words, body that is <clears throat> compacted needs to have a movement of elimination. Is that just said discreetly enough? Is it, I know it's a little cryptic for some of you, but are you interpreting the message? Let's go a different direction. I know some of you have been here long enough to hear me talk about this several times. Guess what? You get to hear it again tonight. But years ago, the Lord gave me a revelation that I've taught in, in the the gist of it is bread. Jesus said, he blessed the bread, broke it. And he said, take eat this bread. This is my body. And the Lord gave me a revelation of comparing all the steps of making bread to his preparing and bringing his body to the place that he could work through it for a worldwide apostolic end time revival. And one of the most shocking elements of that when I, when it, when I first saw it was that you, you go out in the field, it's been plowed and et cetera, and it's been rained on so it's softened. And so you plant these seeds of wheat. You plant them. And then over a course of time, and the biblical wheat harvest was a winter wheat crop that was sown in the fall, it, the seeds lay dormant through the winter time, and then when the warmth of spring came and the spring rains came, the seeds began to germinate and grow. And in that situation, in that situation, um, that stalk is very needed. Those little branches and leaves are very needed. And it grows up, and then as it matures, Grains of wheat 
ears of wheat or, or, or kernels of wheat are formed on the, on this stalk. Okay. And it's, it stands there and it, and it grows and it goes from green to brown because it's white already on the harvest. And then you go out and you, the, the harvesters use a scythe, a sickle and cut those, those stalks of wheat down. And then they, they, they know how to bind the, a, a bunches of the stalks together and the, they become what's called sheaves. And then the sheaves are bundled on the shoulders of those who are the laborers in the field. And they, they carry them on their shoulders. These newly harvested sheaves of wheat are carried on the laborer's shoulders to the threshing floor. There's no intermediate stop. Straight from being reaped. To the threshing floor. And at some point, the ox, when you have a large harvest, you use the ox. Uh, the ox, who is changed to a center post in the middle of that threshing floor, begins to walk round and round and round on those piles of sheaves with this very large, heavy timbered instrument pull behind it called a threshing instrument. Very, very large, very heavy, very tem heavy timbered. And when it's pulled round and round and round on those, those uh, sheaves of wheat, the grains, those small kernels of wheat, separate from the stalks and the branches and the leaves. And that ox just goes round and 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 round until the sheaves don't even resemble sheaves anymore. The one that does that, of course, is the preacher. Because concerning the preacher and his income, the scripture says, muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. And if those of you that follow me on Twitter, Facebook, a week or so, a couple of weeks ago, I posted a scripture that people just, they didn't have, their responses proved they didn't have a clue what it was talking about. Where there is no ox, the stall is clean. But by the strength of the ox, there's much increase. And the point I made was, and you've, some of you have heard me make it, that you have to accept the fact that if you want increase, uh, the stall becomes messy with the elimination of the ox. It's not dust being talked about that causes the stall to be clean. It's mess coming out of the ox that's just filling up the stall. So even with the greatest of oxen, they have their messes. If you're looking for a church pastored by a perfect ox, good luck. Excuse the vernacular, ain't happening.
doesn't exist. The Lord's not building any personality cults or some being built in His name, but they're not of Him. The Lord's not building, it doesn't build personality cults. So, as I continue on here in my abbreviated session, uh, after the, the sheaves are threshed, along comes the winnower. And who is the winnower? Oh, come on now. John the Baptist prophesied concerning the Christ who is to come, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. What flesh, what floor? The threshing floor. What is the fan? It's not one of these. It looks like a pitchfork, but it's much broader than that. And the winnower comes, get this now, ready? The winnower does this. The winnower. Who's the winnower? Jesus. He throws that entire mixture up into the air. Why? The threshing floor was always built on the crest of a hill that was always windy. And so the, the thresh, the, the winnower would just keep throwing that stuff up, just throw over and over and over again. Everything is, ready, up in the air. Why does it feel like everything's up in the air around here? Who's responsible for that? It just depends on whether you believe the Bible or you don't believe the Bible. Well, what happens when the winnower does his job? Well, the grains of wheat are very small and very dense, and they have substance, and wind doesn't affect them very much. So they fall back out of the air right at the feet of the winnower. But the chaff that's been ground in all of these smaller pieces, that was good. It was good when it was growing out in the field. It was necessary to the harvested wheat. It was, they, they, they were good because they allowed the transportation of the wheat to the threshing floor. It was good all the way through that. But when you get to the threshing floor, that which was absolutely of God and good standing in the field, and that which was absolutely necessary to the process from the field to the threshing floor, all of a sudden, it served its purpose and it's not good anymore. And the, the thresher separates all of that from the grains of wheat. And the winnower throws everything, all that mixture up in the air until the wind... Blows all of that light stuff with no substance off the threshing floor and down the hill. There's a lot of folks out there I love so much, even though some of them hate my guts. I understand that. 
especially if you're trying to convince yourself you still believe in God, you got to blame all your problems on somebody. And I was the easy target. And was there stuff in my stall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Never claimed to be perfect, wasn't perfect, never did it perfectly. Never, some days a whole lot less perfect than others. But you tell me how it is that a bunch of you sat and listened to the same preaching, the same teaching, the same word, the same attitude and spirit, and you fell back at the feet of the winnower while they were blown over the hill. You tell me how that's the case. If it was really as horrible as their bitterness is claiming, everybody would be gone. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. If I go to hell, it's going to be on me. I ain't going to hell blaming my trip to hell on somebody else. There's nothing you can say to me, nothing you can do to me, no way you can treat me to get me to walk away from God and truth. Not happening. If I don't make it, it'll be me. It'll all be on me. If I don't make it, it's all going to be on me. And I'm not going to end this life or the next try to blame me not making it on somebody else. Because every person you're letting be an excuse to you has power over you. And I want to submit to God's power and I'm not willing to be under anybody else's power. Not happening. It's not happening. Have there been hard days? Been hard days. Have been hurtful times? Yeah. I'm a human being. This really is flesh. It's not superhuman and it's not a glorified body. And it hurts when people say stuff about you. But you know what? Because nobody is going to be able to treat me in such a way to have power over me. Here it is, Lord. I forgive and it's all in your hands. You take it. Because I'm going to heaven. Here it is, Lord. You take it. I'm going to heaven. Have I failed? Oh, I failed. Do I need the blood every day? Every day. But I've got blood. The preacher preached that here Sunday morning. I've got blood. I've got blood. And with, with the blood, the blood is enough to cover all my mistakes and to keep me keeping on. The blood does that for me. It doesn't matter how, how bad it is, how difficult it is, how disappointing it is to me. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to wallow in my sin. I'm going to let the blood cover it. I'm going home. And, and, and that same blood that covers my sin, 
Now, you were shouting over the last one. How about this one? The same blood that covers my sin covers the offenses of people against me. And that same blood enables me to be just as free from the past of their treatment of me as I am free from the past of my failures. You know, I, 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 I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying some of y'all don't want to be who you are. Oh, let me tell you who you are. You're going, to stand, you're going to stand in judgment as a witness, willingly or unwillingly, against everybody that left and used their excuses. You made it. You survived this. Because who is it that throws stuff up in the air? Hello? Is everything up in the air? Oh, it's been up in the air for a few years. I've never seen it like this before. Oh, my Lord. Stuff going on. Man, every time you turn around, people, you're going, you're kidding me, right? You've been living like that? You've been doing that? You did what? Oh, God. I was counseling a couple, not from this church, uh, in the recent past. And, and, and I said to them, uh, they thought they were coming for counseling, but they didn't know me. When I meet with people, I talk, they listen. In counseling, you talk. In ministry, I talk, you listen. And so, you know, and I said to them, because... If I don't know the problem, but I'm telling you what the problem is, and then I'm telling you the solution, then, you, then you've then you got more responsibility to listen to that than you telling me the problem, me giving you my opinion how to fix it. Amen. Oh, Jesus, help us. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm not used to this clock. This first session's got a clock. <laughs> Tick, 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 tick. Oh, Jesus, help us. (laughs) Who's throwing it all up in the air? Who? But who is the wind in this situation? The scripture says heresy must come. Why? To prove who is really here. And who is not? The Bible puts it in another place. That's what John said, and I think it's First John, First or Second John. Heresies must come. But then uh, uh, Paul said it this way. Oh wow! Yes, he did. That you'd not be 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 buffeted about by every wind of doctrine, and that that's not meaning specifically the doctrines of a church but people's opinions and what they're communicating. You know what? You know what? It's, it's so amazing to me that some of us think we can be spiritual 
playing uh, the Athenians on Mars Hill. Somebody tell me, what did the Athenians on Mars Hill do? They gathered to tell and hear some new thing. And we got some Athenians here. And you spend a whole lot more time hearing and telling some new thing, commonly called gossip, than you do with the Jesus. And then you wonder why you struggle. I'm not picking on an individual. I just felt your spirit. You think, well, you're, you're talking to me. If the... <laughs> In hockey, if you score three goals, it's a hat trick. If you strike out three times in a baseball game, that's a hat trick. A hat trick. If you strike out four times, that's called the golden sombrero. You struck out four times that game. If the golden sombrero fits you, you ought to wear it. Unfortunately, I unfortunately, I would to God it was only a, a handful of people here that would need to wear the golden sombrero. Do you have joy? Do you have peace? Are you encouraged? You know, it's bad enough when I look in the mirror of the Word of God and see the flaws in my own earthen vessel. But when I sit around and hear about everybody else's flaws in their earthen vessels, that's really discouraging because God will give me grace to deal with the flaws of my earthen vessel. But he doesn't give grace for you to carry around knowledge that's none of your business about somebody else's earthen vessel. I got news for you. There's not a perfect one of us in this house. And if you don't like somebody talking behind your back about your flaws, then why are you so willing to talk to other people about theirs? That just blows me away when I have people say to me, that was confidential. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just fulfilling the Word of God. What's the Word of God? You go telling other people's business. This is in Proverbs. Expect your business to be told. Forgive my flaw. Except the problem most of you have is, I do it with a microphone in my hand. And the scripture says, when you hear somebody talking about you, be careful what your attitude is. Because you have no right to get upset unless you have never talked about anybody else. And let's see if that's spiritual. Okay, here's spiritual. Psalms 32 and 1. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is exposed by the gossip. What? 
Oh. Oh. It doesn't say anything about exposing people's sin. What the Lord wants to do is cover. Don't you want Him covering yours? I want Him covering mine. Well, if you, if you want your sins covered and I want my sins covered, then why would I sit around and participate in uncovering somebody else's sin? That's the work of not flesh. Gossip is never flesh. It's a wind that blows through. People get offended. They get hurt. They get, and gossip discourages. You, it's a wind blowing through. Be really careful when everything is up in the air, who you listen to and what you say. Because you could become one of those blown down the hill rather than one of those that falls back at the feet of the winnower. Be really careful with that. Be really, really careful with that. Because you don't have any idea where you may end up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I, I have to quit. Those of you that have classes, you can go. I probably will just continue the next session in here. Wait a minute. I, we, we, we need to, uh, you can play so that they will know the savage beast is tamed.